in CSU has a better approach to emphasizing what a land-grant mission is. For me, in particular, I think is the access piece and the engagement piece, is making sure that we provide access to the people that probably doesn't have the means to get a higher sure. education. Yeah. It resonates to me because, like I mentioned early on, I am a first-generation student, and the reason I am where I am is because there were opportunities given to me. So that access piece is really important for people like me that at one point or another, even they have the best capabilities, but they don't have the resources. Welcome to Health and Human Science Matters, a podcast by Colorado State University's College of Health and Human Sciences. I'm your co-host and digital media strategist, Avery Martin. And I'm Matt Hickey, Associate Dean for Research and Graduate Studies. In our college, we make it our mission to optimize human health and well-being through discovery and innovation. But don't just take our word for it. Each episode, we sit down with people who fulfill that mission, our college faculty and staff. And today, we're lucky enough to have a friend from construction management, Rodolfo Vasquez. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> Rodolfo Valdez Vasquez. Thank you very uh, much. Perfect. Welcome. Yeah, so, no, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be part of this conversation and trying to, to do my best to make sure that everybody knows a little bit what we do here in the college and in construction management. That's great. Perfect. And you know, I, I'm really earnest when I say your best is just sharing who you are. We want to get to know you as a person and we want to get to know you as a scholar. And we, we tend to do that the other way around. Mm. Talk about, you know, show me your CV and what's your latest publication and what have you. And we want to blend a little bit of both. I'm going to start with a question about the, the big idea or ideas or problems that inform your scholarship. Right. Then we're going to get into some other questions. So talk to us about big ideas. In terms of kind of my my research areas, I normally focus on sustainable development, uh, which bring me to sustainable construction, design. Those are the areas I am focusing on right now. And definitely part of that looks into the pedagogy approach of teaching some of these concepts to the new generation of students and, and getting other perspective part of these bigger problems. I think when I think about sustainability in general, I think about having uh, challenging problems that we are facing currently related to climate change, energy efficiency, uh, and getting people involved in these projects from an equity perspective too. So uh, these problems are, is impossible to be solved by just one person. So I normally try to work uh, with a group of people that helped me to figure out some of those solutions and bringing always a system thinking approach and also bringing different perspective. I think that's kind of one of the unique parts of sometimes my research is making sure that we bring other point of views when we are looking at these bigger challenges. That's so well said. You know, and there, there's there's so much to, un to unpack here. When we talk about big problems, you're, you're talking about a big one, right? It, mm -hmm. it touches every family, every community. As far as East is from West, it's it's a right. global problem. So there's no need to uh, oversell it. It's it's a real significant issue for, for humanity writ large. The other piece I love is how you you weave your scholarship into the classroom, right? Right with your your leading. It's not I do this, and oh by the way I teach, but there's there's this wonderful interconnectedness to it, and I just think that that's worth. Yeah, I, I'm probably the people listening to to these too. My 
might be familiar with. Yeah, we normally will call scholars, but also we are teachers, we are yeah. mentors, mm-hmm. we are mentees. Uh, um, we, we are learners because through the process of conducting research, we learn so much. And I, I think that's one of the beauties, the exciting part of uh, why I decided to to go back to academia instead of keep working in the industry is that the opportunity of keep learning a different way, sometimes a, a systematic way, that has been really not only sometimes challenging, but also really exciting to have that opportunity to be a learner in that process I and help so others. I agree. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things I love the most about the academy is, is it, the learn together approach, whether that's in the classroom or with collaborators mm-hmm. who can help us sort of reframe our thinking sometimes, uh, give us a little bit of extra energy. Sometimes you, you get different perspectives and the solutions are broader in scope. Right. And yeah, like I say, well, most of my research focuses on sustainability and, and that's kind of the key, right? Because we we don't know everything and we always probably going to be missing something. So having that open mind to to bring other people and challenge us when we are looking at solving these problems or just asking the question. I think sometimes we just need to start with that. What is the questions we need to be asking and how that questions need to be answered, that sort of things. So I know that goes more into the scholarship piece, but yeah, I think that's the exciting part too. That's well said, yeah, well said for sure. So tell us about your journey. When you think about your educational trajectory over the course of course of decades for, for all of us, um, you know, significant influences, whether this, this might have been family members, it may have been mentors along the way in terms of the educational pathway. Talk to us about uh, moments, touchstones, mentors along the way that helped you get to where you are today. Oh, my God, that's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> I'm feeling old already <laughs> by just thinking about it. So just a little bit of backgrounds uh, about myself. I grew up uh, in a low-income uh, neighborhood in Panama City, Panama. So uh, that's where I'm originally from. My mom was a single mom, so she has three kids. So she has to provide for three kids. And I'm the youngest one. Um, I think the reason I mentioned this is because the first person I always think about my journey is my mother. Um, why is that? Is because she sacrificed a lot of things for making sure that we, her children, were successful. And she didn't have the means to go to college. So I am a first-generation student to go to college. And I, I never really considered what that means at all through my career, probably until when I got to CSU. And, and that's one of the things I really like about CSU, celebrating first-generation students. But going back to the question is like a, one of the stepping points of thinking about my journey is my mother because she she sacrificed so much. She always said, the only thing I can give you is education, um, but you need to study. <laughs> so I, I took that as a... Uh, an opportunity. Uh, we didn't have anything else. Uh, so we just need to make sure we were successful. So moving forward, when I was in high school, I also have good uh, teachers. I still remember my chemistry teacher, my physics teacher. They were amazing and they brought to me the passion for science and probably engineering at that point, even if we didn't call it engineering, 
But when I have to struggle deciding to go into like an architectural field or an engineering field, because that's the field I decided to go, I have those conversations with those mentors. And I didn't can have that conversation with my mother. Actually, my mother, her passion was for me to be a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was always she was in, reinforcing that. Like, I want... Uh, you to be a medical doctor, I definitely that was not me at all. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't like that feel, uh, which has so many beautiful things to do, but that was not for me. I was really clear about that since early days. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, so my high school teachers were really influential for me, deciding where to go. I... I, I did a pretty good job in high school. So at the end of the of my graduation, I got a scholarship. So I got a chance to to get a scholarship to study um, civil engineering. That was the, the field that I decided to do. And then I have to say the first year always was a struggle for me. Uh, I didn't have the same resources than some of my peers. But at the same time, I have the opportunity to be part of a group because there were a couple of us that have the same scholarship. So we got together pretty quickly. So we became uh, like a, a, a group to support each other. So that was nice. So that group of friends became my friends too. It were great for me to be successful where I am. So uh, I still keep with some of that in touch and, and uh, has been one of the beauties of being at the college level, I think, compared with the high school friends that I have. Um, so and when I was uh, doing my degree in civil engineering, I also found really good uh, mentors with my the faculty members. Um, one of them was really influential to me in terms of thinking about, hey, this is not the only thing that you can do. Yeah, you need to start thinking about maybe in the future doing a master program. And he said, well, if you want to apply in the future for a master program in the United States, probably they're going to start looking for a research uh, capacity that you might have. Uh, so what about if you do a thesis project, uh, perhaps part of your undergrad? And that was a in your program was required to do three things. Either you do a research project, you go to a professional practice for six months, or you take two courses as a, a master level. Oh, so wow. so those are the requirements to graduate. So you have to pick and choose which one you want. Hmm. Uh, so I decided to do the, the thesis route, and it took me eight months. So I graduated a little bit longer compared with my, some of my peers, but it was pretty fun. I love it. It was a topic that at that point was something that I, I was passionate about, highway projects. And one of the things I, that was uh, kind of key in that point was understanding that you can develop knowledge. That was something that when you're undergrad and for all the undergrads, if you start listening to this, <laughs> uh, um, I think that's kind of the difference when you are being looking at doing your own research projects, you're developing uh, new ideas and you're creating knowledge. And that's that's when I start understanding what that looks like mm-hmm. based on that project. So what else I can tell you? Well, that, that was just my <laughs> undergrad. Um, and then- if, if I may, I'm just curious because I want to run with this thread of, of our undergrads who are going to be listening to, right. to think about this. 
was the thesis a real serious option for you before you had this conversation with this mentor or, or was it an eye-opening? I mean, you, you knew I had to do one of these three things, presumably, right? But mm-hmm. you're thinking, I'm thinking thesis and it's just a matter of who I do it with or, or was there really sort of a door-opening exercise by that mentor for you in some ways? I I really didn't need, I think I was more leading to the professional practice, yeah. which was like uh, working for a company for six months. We still have to do a long report um about that experience but then he was the one that first mentioned to me hey you can go and get a master's degree mm-hmm. and that was not in my radar at all mm-hmm. i was just like okay i finished my degree go to work for the industry right so being a engineer do designs or yes. whatever mm-hmm. so he was the person that kind of have that conversation with me, even if they probably there were other people, I noticed that they were also maybe had the same advice after I have those, because I consult with other people sure, too, sure. to see what they thought. Mm-hmm. But he was the first one. So I thought that was like, oh yeah, I need to have that in my record. Why not? Exactly. So, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so interesting enough, I, I, finished my degree and I started working for his consulting company. So he has a consulting company in transportation and I did that for almost a year, I think so. Um, but then some of my other experience when I was an undergrad is that I was a TA for a serving class. So I was teaching the survey labs and this happened in my second to last year. And the reason I say that is because my program had five years long program and, uh, besides the thesis. <laughs> wow. So uh, so it was really well structured. Uh, I got more than 200 credits in my undergrad. Wow. Uh, so in my second to last year before graduating, another faculty member approached me and said, we have an opening for somebody to, to teach the labs, the serving labs. And do you think you can do it? And I was like, um, Sure, I always need extra money, right? As an undergrad, um, and we didn't have enough uh, resources in a home to pay for books and all these other stuff. Anyhow, so I say yes to that opportunity. So I, I will say for the undergrad students is at one point or another somebody is gonna ask you to take a chance, and sometimes it's good to say yes to those opportunities, and that kind of brought me to understand hey, I have some knowledge that I can pass to people. And and that was amazing my first semester, seeing the reaction from the students, understanding concepts, or even when some concepts were not really well understood, I had the opportunity to clarify and help them. So yeah. that was an eye-opening experience for me. And so, part of something big. Yeah, so <laughs> what I mentioned that is because that also ties to this other concept of doing research is like, okay, when I go going to do my master's, I need to start thinking about how can I improve my, my teaching experience. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I started working in the industry, doing consulting work. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but at one point or another, it became really repetitive doing transportation studies. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I need something more. Uh, and then one day, because I was a TA when I was an undergrad, one of the faculty members in my previous institution where I got my undergrad degree, they called me, hey, we have an opening. Somebody is leaving, um, 
could you teach some of these classes? So I started teaching wow. early on as an instructor. So I did that for four years. Uh, at the same time, there were opportunities here and there to do some research, small research projects, because they knew I liked research. Uh, but, you, I, but you don't get a phone call like that without being on somebody's radar screen. So you, you had attracted some attention, whether it's your work ethic or your excellence in the Well, yeah, or, I was. It, when I was doing my thesis, my undergrad thesis, I will also was a TA yeah. at that point uh, because I need to pay my bills. <laughs> so uh, and the research project didn't have any funding. It was just like, a, this is your option to graduate, right? So anyhow, I after those four years or during that time, I also have colleagues that were Fulbright scholars at that institution. And they say, hey, you should apply for the Fulbright scholarship. And I apply in my four year. I, I got it. I came to the United States with a Fulbright scholarship. And that's the reason I have uh, my degrees from Clemson University. Yeah. Uh, and how did you find Clemson, of all the places you could have? And I'm not knocking Clemson. It's a great, <laughs> great institution. Uh, yeah, they, they are great. I probably similar to CSU. Uh, I never heard from Clemson before. Um, I applied to Fulbright, and Fulbright say, here, here's a couple options that you can have because the benefits that they offer. Uh, and one of them was Clemson. So I did the check mark. I definitely did my research. Uh, at that point, you know, internet was different, but <laughs> I'm getting old, like I'm telling you. Uh, it was different, but I Clemson have at that point since then a good website. Uh, it catched my attention, and that's one of the reasons I did a check mark for Clemson. And they offer a good uh, package. Uh, and then one of the other things I select Clemson is that I want to do my research related to construction safety. Mm. That was a need in the institution where I work in the past. There was no really construction safety class. Uh, construction industry in Panama was different at that point, too, in terms of uh, understanding what construction means. So I was one of the probably first ones to learn more about construction safety. And Clemson have a, a researcher that was expert in that field. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason that people always ask me is the question, well, you're a civil engineer, why you didn't go to the civil engineering department? Well, I select construction science and management because they have the expertise on construction safety mm -hmm. at that point. But one of the things I did was to take classes in both departments because I was not thinking about a PhD program, but hey, keep that door open. Sure, sure. So I did my research in construction safety, looking at uh, how construction companies develop safety plans in their organizations and what they should be including, why they uh, need to improve. So I did that project and thanks to that, I kind of follow the same process after I graduated, went back home because my Fulbright requirements say you have to go back home at least for two years. So I went home for two years and I did a kind of similar approach with construction companies in Panama. So they develop, well, we develop a series of recommendations for the companies in Panama to how to develop their programs. In addition, I developed a whole class related to construction safety. And that was the first class developing that institution. So that's neat. Yes. Yeah. So they have a lot of benefits. Um, 
And going back to the original question, it was like at these stepping points in terms of how I got here. Being a TA when I was an undergrad, conducting research at Lyon, then when I went to my master's degree, uh, there is multiple options, but I decided to do a, a thesis instead of just doing a final exam or just doing just coursework. So I was clearly in my mind that I, I want to do, I want to keep my door open for the future. So that's something for the undergrad students out there. It's just that you have to think a little bit ahead always about what's coming. So you, you know what else I'm hearing, and, and I hope you'll indulge me because I think I had a similar experience. That, that is being active and engaged, even if you're not 100% certain what the 10 year plan is. Oh, yeah, That's I okay. didn't hear what that means. <laughs> but but you're, you're still visible, right? So, right? so professors had an opportunity to tap you on the shoulder and you get involved. And it doesn't have to be with some long-term trajectory. And, and mind you, we're able to uh, get a lot of really sort of rich experiences. And you look back now and say, aha, yeah. you know, those are formative moments. But at the moment, I'm just, I'm sort of being visible. I want to I want to be engaged. I want to be active in some ways, right? Yes, definitely. Uh so I went home for two years, did all these research, created a course, I was teaching, but something was missing. I didn't have enough resources to do code research as I was trained to do. So that was one of the motivations to come back to do a PhD program. Because also I at was Clemson, right? At Clemson. Yeah. So yeah. I went back to Clemson University just because the benefits of already being at Clemson and take advantage of those courses I took. And then this time I went to first interdisciplinary program was not really working for me. Uh, And that's kind of one of the lessons learned from people out there is if you felt like something is not working for you, it's okay to change your mind. So I switched programs to civil engineering. Uh That was more my background. Through that opportunity, I have the chance to to meet one of the most influential people I have in my career, who was my main doctoral advisor, Dr. Lighty Clocks. He really was a person that challenged me to think bigger. Hey, there is many other opportunities out there besides these ones that you are thinking right now. At one point, I was a little bit hesitant about my research project that was about social sustainability. Um, and he was the one that really challenged me to think harder that, hey, you might not think it's a core engineering concept right now, but it's most needed. He reinforced that into my my thinking of, yeah, this is the right track to do. Um, he's one of the most cited piece of work I have as giving me the opportunity to work with people, not only in the, uh, here in the United States, but people from Brazil, Spain. Oh, I always yeah. get a lot of uh, requests from people to know more about, like uh, one of the latest was one from Venezuela, a faculty member from a university there asking me about how to, to engage in some type of research with them just because of that work. So I'm thinking about these people that influence your life, and sometimes you never know until you know things happen in the right. future, like you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so that was an influential piece of where I am right now, having that mentorship. And was that really the genesis of your interest in sustainability, you think, while you were in a doc program, or uh, is it more complex than that? Oh, uh, Actually, the first time I hear about sustainability was with Fulbright. 
uh, has a full price color. When I was doing my master, they have typically these seminars that they provide to all the scholars. Um, I went to Arizona State University. That was where the workshop was. And that was the first time that we heard about sustainability. I, I knew about it, but never engaged. I was more focused on the safety aspect of construction projects. But then when I came back to do my, my doctoral degree, I started thinking about, yes, safety is important, but I, I mention always this to my students, uh, is that, yeah, you can have the more sustainable project and high energy efficiency, low carbon emissions, but if somebody dies in the project, it could be, uh, the people operating the project or the people doing construction of the sure. project, that's not anymore a sustainable project. So I knew that was something missing, and that's the reason I focus more in the social sustainability component sure, that sure. just zooming into safety per se. So yeah, so I don't know if that answered that question, does, but, but yeah, uh, I think that's, that's where that passions come from is thinking about what is being practiced in the industry and what really truly sustainability is supposed to mean yeah. and some of the gaps that we have sometimes. And that's going back to my original opening statement is that we need to think about broader and we need to include more people when we are challenged by these type of problems. It's a complex problem. Mm -hmm. and we, yes. Of course, academics are great for tunnel vision. Right? Yeah, so, yes. <laughs> so, definitely. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't want to forget, I think I... I also have opportunity to work to the industry and work, um, and that also helped me to better understand what is going on there, uh, influence how I think about research too. Because at the end of the day, you, you're right. Sometimes in academia, we be trying to be really pragmatic, but at the same time, we tend to forget what is out there and how things can be applied. So research to practice is important, okay. especially in your in more fields. Yes. So I, I, I will speak for most of the fields in the college too, so. I think you're right. I absolutely mm -hmm. think you're right. So, so last fall, we were able to talk to Manfred Diehl. Manfred was born and raised in Germany. And so I, I followed up on some questions so mm -hmm. we can see the world a little bit better. So right. if I may, would you tell us a little bit about Panama and what, what do you like best about Panama? And if you have any special moments again, growing up or family memories or what have you, so that we can expand our vision in another way here. Okay, I'm not getting trouble here. <laughs> uh, well, I during the winter time, you, it reminds me to that is a warm, um, dry season in Panama. So I, I miss this what we call summer here is right now happening in Panama. Uh, so I miss those days. Um, one of the reasons I, I miss those days because when, in my childhood, uh, I have the opportunity to go back to my grandma's place and that was in the countryside, all the cousins were there. Uh, and that was a great opportunity for us to play, to be free. Uh, like I say, I, I, I was living in the city. Um, it was so many restrictions because the place we live to, so we have to be careful where to go and so forth. But in the summer times, that was the place that we, you were free to go to do anything you want to do. Uh, and grandma always was just happy to have us there and have the time to go to the river, spend hours and hours there. So. So Sounds freedom. pretty good to me. Yes. <laughs> yes, so I, I will say that's one of the reasons I say I, I miss that during the winter time. Uh, 
uh, but Colorado is a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's an amazing state uh, with views and people that are really forward thinking. So no complaints. Are you able to get home to Panama on occasion? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, through the pandemic was a little bit difficult, but sure. last year I, I went twice to Panama to right. visit my family. So nice. That's, that's awesome. Great. Yeah. So tell us how we were fortunate enough to recruit you to Colorado State University. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate that. At the end of my doctoral degree, you know, like anybody else, my goal actually was to go back to Panama. I already have a faculty position there. Mm. So... Uh, my goal was just like, go to Panama, sure. but my mentor say, hey, explore the opportunities. You never know what can happen. So I started exploring, go to interviews here and there. And, and one of the places I got an interview was here at CSU. And that was the first time you heard of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. CSU is still well known in civil engineering field because all the research that has done here in the past with water, yes. and yeah. some of that has been influence in Panama. So there was some connections there, but I was that was not my topic of research. I was just aware of that. Right, right. But I was not really familiar with CSU or even for colleagues, which now is, is a beautiful place to be. But my last year of my doctoral degree, I started applying, you know, as a doctoral student at that point, you go to conferences, present your research, I did a poster presentation in one of the conferences. I, and through that present, uh, poster presentation, I have an opportunity to to meet one of the faculty members in the construction management department. And she said, hey, we're going to be looking for faculty member next year. If you want, you can do a presentation in my class so you can check it out before uh-huh. we start the process. Yeah. Uh, so I did that. Great. I didn't have any funding. She said, I don't have funding neither. Going back to my mentor, my advisor said, hey, don't worry. I have some funding. I'm going to pay for the flight. You oh, go there fantastic. and you do your presentation. So other ways to practice what you're doing. So that was the beginning of how I start knowing more about CSU, about Fort Collins. And through that, I submitted my application and, and I was called to be part of uh, the finalists, came here. So that's how I start meeting people. And uh, I think uh, my research too, I, 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 I think I did a good job with my presentation. Uh, one of the reasons I love the department where I am is that we not only do research, but we also are really passionate about teaching and pedagogy and service. Yes. In my presentation, I, I I, think I did a good job of mentioning how I'm going to be supporting those areas in the department. Great. So, and so remind our listeners when you joined us. How long have you been at CSU? Yeah. This is the reason I say I'm getting old. <laughs> uh, it's going to be almost 10 years now since wow. I arrived to CSU back in 2012. Boy, you're making me feel old. <laughs> 2012 was 10 years ago. That's Almost, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. that's wild. Congratulations, though. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Appreciate that it. is a benchmark. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So it has been great. I uh, like anything, you know, new place, uh, new systems, new organization. Yes. Uh, and switching your mind, right? You're not anymore a doctoral student. Now you're 
an assistant professor at that point or associate professor. So you have other responsibilities managing all those things. It's different. Indeed, the learning curve continues. Doesn't yes, it? yeah. So yeah, that going back to like we're always learning, right? We are learners. Yeah. So. And we hope we never stop. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's when it's time to hang up your spurs and go do something else if you're yeah. not still learning, exactly. for sure. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, so talk to us about what you've got going on now. What, what, what in terms now? of life as a scholar, teacher, mentor, collaborator, what, what, what has you excited? In terms of uh, scholarship, I currently have a National Science Foundation capacity building uh, grant that was awarded last October. So it's for two years. Um, is with a community of practice of uh, civil and environmental engineering faculty members across the nation. So that uh, gets me really excited about. Uh, and one of the reasons is because one of the goals of the projects is how can we enhance the current capacity of that community of practice and infuse equity and inclusion into their work. And in this yeah. case, most of their work is related to infrastructure courses, uh, implementation of teaching strategies and lessons and that sort of thing. So um, that's one of the biggest projects currently I have, um, working with three other faculty members across the United States. And we have also undergrad students and we have doctoral students and master's students. So is a we are trying to grow that research group, um, helping them to understand to these challenges. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah so you. that, in terms of research, that's one of them. If if you go to my uh, Vita, you're gonna see that some of my research is more practical. Um, there is some of theory there, but also there is a lot of pedagogy in my research. So keeping me engaged in that area. And in terms of service, I faculty mentor for one of the clubs and making sure that I can support the department as many ways we could, part of the recruitment committee, part of the uh, president's sustainability commission at the university level. So that gave me really excited too. That's so, great. Keep them busy. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that answered that question, oh, but there's so many Absolutely. other things that you know we do. But those wear are many few hats, of uh, highlights, yes. That's great. That's awesome. You know, we've, we've had this theme running throughout about the students who may be listening, may be inspired by your story, right? And I, I can think back to when I was sitting in that chair as an undergraduate, you know, trying to imagine life as a professor was just beyond me. So, so give us just a vignette. I, we, we know there is no typical day-to-day -day varies quite a bit, but... What does life look like for you? You come to campus on any given day, just walk a yeah a every day through. actually. Uh, I live close by, so that allows me to come to campus every day. I keep, you know, when office hours, I the office there. Um, my teaching days too, and then I try to organize uh, my research meetings. So, so sometimes it takes. It's a challenge that organizing meetings. Um, for research projects and for committees. But I think one of the, even if now most of those meetings are online, I try to come to the office and has that space to kind of separate it from my personal life. Sure. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that was one of the biggest challenges I have through the pandemic is being in my apartment and then feel like, okay, this is work. What, what is the boundary? <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to keep my boundaries. 
uh, in terms of work and personal life. So I've got two questions related to this professional environment you find yourself in now. The first is this College of Health and Human Sciences, a really interesting and diverse mix of sort of disciplinary expertise. And so I'm interested in your impressions about what you like the most about working in this college. One of the things with the college in general, I think everybody knows this, is that we are the microcosmos of uh, CSU. And I think that's one of the the beauties, and also I mean, could be the challenge mm-hmm. to uh, at one point or another, but being part of a college where you have so many different backgrounds and disciplines with different point of views is a beauty. Uh, we probably need to uh, try to reinforce that more and create more collaboration because we could solve bigger problems if we collaborate more um, in our disciplines in the college. I think that that's one of the things I like from the college. I, in the Department of Construction Management, we already have some collaborations with the School of Education. We have a PhD program with the School of Education that has been uh, a blessing finding people that really think about pedagogy and thinking about construction. So, so that's good. We also have, uh, just because the nature of the disciplines with interior architecture design is another unit that we have some collaborations, but I think there is more opportunities out there. I think mm-hmm. there are too. So, you know, I love the vision of the college as a microcosm of CSU writ yeah. large. I, I just think that's so true. Very right? well put. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing it that mm-hmm. way. I appreciate that because yeah. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> I think it's spot on. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that leads us to this next level, right? So we're, we're at an institution that, that holds out with great pride um, the fact that we're a land grant. And, and that means something. We're not just any university, but we're one of a, you know, comparatively small number when everything's said and done of, of land grant institutions. So talk to us a little bit about how that informs your your approach to scholarship. Yeah, and I, I have to be honest that when I came to the United States, I really didn't know what that means. Uh, even I went through my master's degree and I was a land grant institution. Clemson University is a land grant institution and didn't really realize what that means. Um, and I think CSU has a better approach to emphasizing what a land grant mission is. Um, for me, in particular, I think is the access piece and the engagement piece is making sure that we provide access to the people that probably doesn't have the means to get a higher sure. education. Yeah. It resonates to me because, like I mentioned early on, I am a first-generation student, and the reason I am where I am is because there were opportunities given to me by having a scholarship to do an undergrad degree, and then later for Fulbright, uh, to get a scholarship, to get a master's degree. So that access piece is really important for people like me that at one point or another, even they have the best capabilities, but they don't have the resources to get into this. And we all know that getting a bachelor's degree make a huge difference. I think it was a recent study mentioned that uh, the people that doesn't get a bachelor's degree have more high incidence of smoking, uh, debt um, because the salaries they get. So I think access is key when we are thinking about 
my grand mission. And the other concept I, I really enjoy about CSU that has been reframing through the years is the engagement piece. Um, and the engagement office has really nice way to think about engagement, what that means to be engaged with our communities. And in my case, the engagement don't only apply to Colorado communities, but also outside of the state and even overseas. Mm -hmm. and one of the things I've been engaging with is with my study abroad program in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. And we work really close with communities in the countryside to see their perspective about sustainability. Uh, because that's, again, thinking about engagement, we need to hear voices that sometimes doesn't have the opportunities to be heard. Uh, and I think that's the land grant mission, making sure that we are engaged, but no, us telling communities what to do, but communities telling us what they need and how they can help us to solve these biggest problems that we are trying to solve in our day-to-day -day scholarship work. You're a wonderful steward for engagement because I think that that's an elegant way of putting things. You know, and I think, again, the, the university has tended to have this top-down, push-out, you know, knowledge sort of approach. And I think engagement's the right word because we, we go not to tell so much. Well, occasionally we're obliged to, right? And right. That's mm -hmm. part of our translational research. But uh, to engage with community partners on sustainability-related issues requires us to be willing to listen. Because right. we may have perspectives on sustainability that, that for a particular community don't move the needle. That's not what what is on our, our sort of, you know, top 10 list of things right. that matter to us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So and I see it in my work, too. Like a, when we talk about green rating systems like Lee, that those are coming from a different point of view of marketing compared with the people, what they really need why we are using high energy efficiency, high balls, what, what, what that makes sense to me as an individual, as a community. So we really need to think harder. Yeah. Wow. About solving problems together, yeah. as opposed mm -hmm. to pretending here comes yeah. the expert on the white horse and we're gonna right. ride in and rescue you. And, and yeah, yeah. 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 definitely that, that's not my thinking. I always tell my students, we are not here to, to solve problems. We are here to listen. And to learn from our communities and to work together yeah work together well said yes and that yeah. speaks to your dei work as well yeah correct? yeah uh. so yeah definitely when you're talking about diversity equity inclusion and justice you mm -hmm. really need to think harder um i am no an expert i i am in my journey i i think if you go outside of the united states uh countries have different perspective about what we are talking about here but I am learning through the process of being involved in these research projects, learning from my students. Um, and yeah, I probably face sometimes some of, this, some of those challenges, but also I'm in a privileged position too of being a faculty member mm -hmm. and having some resources compared with other people. So yeah, I agree. Spirit of humility and collaboration, right, is a right great there. foundation. For you know, I have heard humility today twice, yeah. so probably this is the word that we should be the word of the using. Day. The yes. word of the day. But <laughs> I will say, no, the word of the day. I think this, the word that we should remind ourselves, being humble, 
about what we do, whatever you are coming from, where are you coming from, and the experience you have. Mm. Because sometimes uh, we tend to forget. It is easy to forget, isn't it? We get on the train sometimes right. and we're busy and accomplishing things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, a little yeah. humility goes a long way. So Rodolfo Valdez Vasquez, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it and I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. I've got some gems. I'm going to keep, uh, attribution will go your way. Of course. I love it. Yeah, really, really insightful. So thanks for your time. Well, I think I I just want to thank you for having me, but also thank you for putting this together. I think this is the first time we are doing something like this. And it's exciting to to learn more about other people, what they are doing. And I think hopefully this will infuse some of that collaboration we were talking about between the faculty members across the different units. We, we hope so. That's part uh, of our long-term strategic plan, right? Yes, we are a community, and, and I think so many important problems we can solve together in ways that right now we're not apprehending because we tend to find ourselves somewhat uh, siloed. And I think we can do better, as you have already articulated. So. <laughs> yep. Here's to it. Yes, indeed. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks yes, so much. Thank Thanks you. so much. Another great interview is in the books. Thank you for listening to this episode of Health and Human Science Matters. Be sure to check out the rest of season two, as well as season one. If you want to learn more about the college, go to www.chhs.colostate.edu.